Welcome to the Bulletproof Entrepreneur Podcast, where we interview the world's leading CEOs, business executives, entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and authors. Our mission is to learn the strategies and tactics that have helped our guests succeed in business and life and share those lessons with you so that you can become the Bulletproof Entrepreneur. My name is Chia Dogu, and I'm the co-founder and COO of Dogu Media Group. Dogu Media Group is a podcast marketing and new media agency that helps corporations create and amplify their story via high-quality branded audio content that builds a community of highly engaged fans who are their ideal clients for their premium products and services. And now, without further ado, on with the show. Hey everyone, welcome to another exciting edition of the Bulletproof Entrepreneur Podcast. It's your host, Chia Dogu. My phenomenal guest today is Kimberly Spate. Kimberly is a retired United States Air Force personnel who's now a certified professional career coach. In addition to her work as a career coach, she's also a personal branding strategist, a 360 reach analyst, and a social branding expert. I'm pleased to have her on the show today. She's the author of the book titled, I Need to Know You, How to Meet Ordinary and extraordinary people and improve your life. I'm pleased to have her on the show today because she's going to help us learn how we can meet ordinary as well as extraordinary people in this period of the COVID-19 crisis while we are all locked down at home and thinking, okay, how are we going to grow our networks, deepen our relationships, and you know, figure out how we're going to emerge out of this pandemic crisis better individuals. So Kimberly is going to come talk about her background and then she's going to talk about some networking tips and strategies that we can use to position ourselves to be better than our competitors in the marketplace. So with that said, Kimberly, welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much, Chief, for having me. I'm really excited to be here with you. I must say, though, right off the bat, though, I served in the military, so I served five years active duty in the Air Force. My husband actually, though, retired from the Air Force, so he oh, served okay. 20. Yeah, so, <laughs> so I only did five. You have to do 20 at least to retire. So. Oh, okay. I, I apologize. <laughs> I, I thought once you leave, it's um, retirement. Uh, so. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, awesome. So, Kimberly, tell us a little bit about your career trajectory before we go into your lesson for today. How did you go from someone who served in the Air Force to now being a career coach and a branding specialist and a networking expert? That's a really great question. Okay, so so I served five years active duty and that was where I, you know, where I was headed. And then I was married to my husband and he was also an officer in the Air Force. And then at the five-year point, I was expecting my first child. And then I got an assignment to move to California and my husband didn't get an assignment. So at that point in time, we made the decision for me to get out of the service because we I could just see that our careers were going to go on two different paths. And for us personally, we just decided we, you know, a lot of folks make that work, but for us, we just decided that I would get out of the service at that point in time. But I stayed working in the reserves for another six years. So that's how I, you know, I started in the military and then I became actually a stay-at-home mom for a number of years. Because my husband was moving every two to three years, I actually started homeschooling. So I became a teacher and I did that a number of years. Got a lot of skills while I was teaching. And also though, when you're in the military as a military spouse, and actually the the children also, we all serve. So in that capacity, I was still around the military helping uh, as far as in the um, 
you know, with the spouse groups and things like that. So, I, And I was gaining more skills as I was leading different groups and becoming a facilitator for some of those groups. So all of that time, I, I share that because there are a lot of people that have career breaks and they're wondering, you know, can I get back out there? And the answer is yes, as long as you are being productive and you can show that you know, you're involved. What I found is that employers totally understand if you take a break to raise your family, they totally understand that. Or if you've gone back to school, they just want to understand what's, you know, why, what did, why did you, you have do that in that time period? Yeah, exactly. So then after that, after I was homeschooling, my oldest son decided he wanted to go to school because he wanted to play sports. And so I was like, that's fine because we'd always looked at it as we'd homeschool as long as it worked. And when it didn't work, we would stop. So once he went to school, then I'm starting to find myself again. What do I, you know, what am I going to do now? And so I reached out to some of my friends and I said, based on what you know that I love to do and my skill sets, do you have any suggestions? So a lot of times when I'm working with people in career transition, I tell them, you know, reach out and get some information and advice. You can also do assessment skills. Those are tests to kind of see what might be a great fit. But then what types of jobs do those skills line up with that you would enjoy doing? So one of my friends mentioned coaching at the time and, uh, what I started, she actually mentioned personal training. So I thought, okay, I'll give that a, you know, give that a go because at that point in time, I was still homeschooling my youngest son. And by being a personal trainer, it gave me opportunity to work my schedule the way that I wanted to, that would fit with my home life. So when you say personal trainer, is that like a um, physical exercise personal trainer or it is. something else? Okay. It is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but as I was, so, cause I loved working out, that's the military okay. part, right? Is, you know, you're staying in shape and all of that. So uh, what I did was I combined my, my joy for working out with my passion for helping people. And so learn the skills of coaching. As I was studying for that certification, you, you learn the skills of coaching. And I found that I really loved working with people. I loved it when they had that aha moment. I loved that coaching aspect. So that started that journey of coaching. And then we've had a couple of moves. And I would say fast forward when my husband left the military. So he actually retired from the military, but he was still young enough and had fire in his belly that he wanted to go out there and continue to work. And that's what happens with a lot of military folks, you know, after 20, 20 years or 30 years, they, they still want to go back out and they still have a lot to offer. And what we found is that we weren't exactly prepared for that transition because, you know, he had never entered. Well, a lot of folks who have served 20 to 30 years, you've been in the military that length of time and people understand what your skills are. So that whole process of taking yourself to the marketplace is different. So as a result of that, I he landed well, which a lot of military folks do because they have a lot of great skills. Discipline, leadership coaching, All of that. Yeah. Yes, they're leaders. And, you know, they've been uh, resourceful in the military. A lot of times people think of the military as you're taking orders. And yes, while some of that is true, you are also innovative and you're solving problems. And, you know, we have doctors and lawyers and logisticians, so it runs the gamut. And so really it's a matter of the military person understanding how to market themselves, how to, I tell them that, I said, you're the CEO of you that you're in charge of product delivery, you're in charge of marketing, you're in charge of business development. Now, they've been doing that product delivery their entire career. 
So what I focus on when I coach them is on the marketing of themselves and the business development aspects. So I got involved with coaching with the military folks based on our personal experience. And then I just developed that passion for wanting to help folks who are very proactive. I wanted to help them make that transition a little bit smoother. So that's how I got started into the coaching of the military. Very interesting. Very interesting. And when you were homeschooling your kids, what were the lessons you learned as a teacher? Because I can see that to be a coach, you kind of also have to be like pedagogical, you know, use the Socratic method. So when you have two students who are your kids, how are you teaching them? What are the lessons you learned? And then how did you translate those lessons into your development as a coach as well? Well, I think you have to look at the individuals because each one is different. And so learning how they learn, listening to them. Also, you know, just being very, I kind of had a methodical, I wanted to make sure they didn't miss anything. So I used curriculums that I thought were very challenging because I wanted them to be able to learn. And so I think just paying attention to their learning styles. And I was fortunate because I started teaching them in kindergarten. So they didn't know anything different that I was I was teacher. So I think from that aspect, it wasn't that hard. And and I figured I said I can't can't mess up kindergarten. <laughs> so you'd be amazed what I learned the second time around in kindergarten and third time around. <laughs> but I learned I learned a lot from them also, you know, as as I was working with them and teaching them and learned a lot about personalities and, and the individual and and trying to understand what it is they needed. And I think that really helped as far as when I'm working with the military folks, it was like, what is it that they needed to know in order to be able to make a successful transition? And so transition. once I, yes. And then, so once I w- realized what they needed to know, then I became the student of how do I get, how do I get that information to be able to help them? So I think that's really, I think it's paying attention, listening, trying to find out what the other person needs. And if that's where you're called to work, then if you don't have that skill, acquiring that skill to be able to help them. Yeah, yeah. because I found that, especially in the executive recruiting or the recruiting space, that if you're working with a recruiter, they just see every candidate as, okay, I need to throw each candidate to my client, see who sticks, and that's it. I'm not necessarily like focus on, oh, what's this person's goals? What's this person's visions? What does this person actually need to help them succeed in the right company or how can I match this person's individual style to a company that actually wants somebody like this person? Because you're telling me you are focused on a more bespoke approach to helping your clients, whereas in the general marketplace, from what my I've seen in the past, it's just, you know, let's send everybody there and see who works. Right. Well, so when I'm working with the, the folks in the military, so I teach a course, it's a four-day workshop. And so each of them have different goals in terms of what it is they're trying to achieve. So I ask them to take a look at, to do an inventory of them of themselves and what is it that, what are their skills? What are they passionate about pursuing? And then once they look at those different areas that they're interested in pursuing, how does what they've done in the past, how does that line up with what they want to do going forward? Because it's up to them to then market themselves, right? They've got to take themselves to the marketplace. So in order to do that, they have to be able to help the employer understand how what they've done aligns with the job that the employer is trying to fill. 
Okay, so, so it's really up to that person. And anybody that's looking for a job, yes, you need a job, but you really need to think about it in terms of what does the hiring manager need? Need. Mm. And speak to their need. So that when you talk to them in, in all of your marketing documents, all of that, you need to be talking about how you can help them accomplish their goals. Their so it's goals. really the other. Yes. Okay. Okay. Perfect. So now let's dive a little bit into our how-to session, which is your area of expertise, networking. I read through your book, which is great. And uh, you had your phenomenal 100-day challenge, correct? Which is yes. you met 100 different people in 100 days. And it seems like the book was written like a lifetime ago where you could actually meet people face-to-face. Now now you dare not meet anybody closer than six feet. Yes. So tell us a little bit about the benefits of networking and then how we can start using some of the principles that helped you succeed in your 100-day challenge in the online world so that we can, you know, build better relationships and find new relationships that could either help us personally or professionally. Okay. So one of the reasons I actually started the challenge was because when I was working with my folks in the military, I was telling them that they need to develop their networks outside of the military. So I started studying networking and how to, how to go about doing that because it was an area that they really needed to understand because your help comes from your network. Mm-hmm. Often that's where your help comes from. That's where you are able to uncover opportunities that you would not know about otherwise. So networking is really about relationship building. It's about giving to your network. It's about getting out there, letting people know who you are, having great conversations. And I look at it as it's really relationship building. So when I talk about relationship building, it's building social capital, which is offering something of value to others. It's being mindful about the people that come across your path because we have an opportunity to meet people all the time. Even in this environment, we still do. When you're able to meet people face-to-face, people, you know, you meet people on the street all the time. But in this environment, you know, we have an opportunity through virtual meetings. There's a lot of different virtual trainings that are going on right now. So if if there's an area that you want to learn and grow in, jump on one of those trainings and you will meet people in those environments. So there's still opportunities to meet people that way. Social media is great for that right now. You know, you can use, utilize your your Facebook, your Twitter, your your LinkedIn, all of that to meet new people and trainings that you can get on to meet new people. There are universities that are still offering uh, community courses online. You can meet people that way. And then it's a matter of developing those relationships and deepening those relationships. Uh, so now tell us about, you know, okay, when it comes to meeting people and meeting the right people, what are some of the strategic things that you need to think about? Well, okay, let's think about it. You, If you went to school, there's alumni that you could reach out to people in that went to your school. So looking for things that you might have in common with other people, that would be a great way to meet people. So if you have an interest in, let's say, uh, something technology-wise, and you can join different groups virtually that deal in the tech space. So if that's something that you're interested in, find something that you're interested in, connect with other groups where people are talking about the same types of things, then you're able to give to those groups in terms of your expertise, in terms of your knowledge, you're able to give, you're able to receive. And as you're doing that, you're gonna start forming relationships with those folks. Uh, now, when it comes to you know networking online, we all get these um, random connections on LinkedIn or whatever people trying to meet up. And I found that 
maybe 50, 60% of the time, it sometimes comes across as inauthentic and um, like the person has an ulterior motive. Now that we all have no choice but to network virtually, how can you establish yourself authentically or reach out authentically? Well, I think it's the same way that when even in person. So people can feel your intention. So when I talk about building relationships, first of all, there's building social capital, which is offering value. So you want to come being able to give versus it's more I focus on what can I give versus what can I get. It's being mindful. So the different people that you might run into on social media that you think you might have something in common. So take notice and go, oh, I might be able to offer this person something of value. And then it's every single human interaction that you have. And that's really key because people can feel your intention. They can feel it when you're face-to-face. They can feel it through emails, through texts. So you want to be authentic in wanting to give, not just wanting to take, because that's going to come across. So a perfect example is I was on a call the other day helping some job seekers. This person then reached out to me on LinkedIn and said, hey, I'd like to connect with you, which is what I like. It was That's perfect. I mean, if I have something I can give, I can help. Wonderful. So he reached out to me to connect. Several other people that were on that meeting reached out to connect with me also. I connected with everybody but him, and I will connect with him. But the reason I didn't was in his email to me, his email to me, he said, I'd like to connect with you for, you know, 15 minutes and talk to you about, you know, where I'm headed, what I'd like to do. I'm like, okay, that's not a problem. But then he said, or he said, here's my calendar and my phone number. Well, he's reaching out to me for help. So he was sending me a, you know, I'm sure he was not aware of how that came across, but he was saying, hey, I need some help. And oh, by the way, get on my calendar. I think what people really need to be aware of in this day and time, because you're a lot of times going to be connecting through emails and through texts or in mails, how are you coming across in your written word? Communication, yeah. I can, I yeah. can, I can see how that will be very touchy and, you know, off putted because you're, Asking for something, but you're telling the person you're asking for to get on your calendar. Yes. No, 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 yeah. Yeah. That yeah. Makes sense. So, <laughs> so just be careful about that because, you know, people are still going to be willing to help, but I think you have to come at it with, you know, networking is really about, and if people approach it this way, even in this day and time, if you approach it with what can I give versus what can I get, and then pay attention to your interactions with others, you'll still be able to make new connections. Because the thing of it is, when you are giving, then, and, and I just tell people, keep planting seeds, keep planting seeds, keep planting seeds, and then the help that you need more than likely will be there. Because it's giving is reciprocal. Mm. Now, when you say giving, you've mentioned giving over and over again. So what can, take for example, Let's use a prime case study. Somebody just got laid off maybe three, four weeks ago. They've done the same job for like five, seven years, and that's all they do. What can they give if they're trying to network with, say, a hiring manager or a director in Google, Microsoft, or whatever? You know, because you always figure, you always say, okay, giving is great, but I, so some people look to themselves and say, I have nothing to give. So what do I do? Right. Well, I say plant your crops early, first of all. So <laughs> you're kind of in a different situation. <laughs> yes, you're kind of in a different situation if you need something right now. But there are people in your existing network that you have hopefully been given to over time that you already know. 
It would be fine to reach out to those folks and ask them for information and advice and ask them if they know of someone that could give them information and advice on their particular arena. Then that person can make an introduction for them. So then you're not reaching out to somebody cold necessarily, somebody that could help you. You're going to go and ask your your existing connections that you have hopefully been helping along the way reciprocally and ask them if they would make an introduction for you. So then that person might know, you know, would then know the other person. So that's kind of leveraging your existing network. So that's a little bit different. But you still think about it, though. If you have been working in a career field for five or six years, you still have an expertise, in that arena. You still have something to offer. So you can get on different groups or different people that are talking about your subject matter expertise and offer your, yes, to help and form those connections. And also you're able to then put out your thought leadership. People can start to take notice of your thought leadership. You start to grow your network even more that way. Oh, interesting. And, um, on the experimental side, if you had to innovate real quick and say, hey, you know what? Yes, you can connect on LinkedIn, write thought leadership. What is, in your opinion, something smart and clever that somebody can do to stand out? Well, I think, first of all, take stock in what you do have to offer, right? You need to know yourself. And, and then look to see what the needs are out there, perhaps in your arena, what are the needs that you can bring something to the table? So if it's if somebody's reaching forward and they see that I have a need and they're saying, hey, I can help you with this and you're a giver, I think that helps you to stand out. But then also, you know, on your, your social media, be able to talk about yourself in a way that people can easily see this is what that person brings to the table. So I look at LinkedIn, you know, a lot of times LinkedIn profiles, they can all look the same. <laughs> You know, I did this or I did that. But if you're talking about yourself in some in terms of not only just your accomplishments, but your the things that you value and talk, tell me in a story, things that you value, things that you love, things that you're passionate about, then you become more of a person I get to know on LinkedIn versus just your accomplishments. Uh, So you also have to kind of like share things about yourself. And I think that's where it's challenging for people because a lot of people don't want to talk about themselves. They, they'd rather talk about maybe their writing or share an article, but it seems like it's very difficult to connect and talk about yourself online to a lot of people. Well, I think, it, you know, depending on the platform. So LinkedIn is a perfect place to be able to showcase what you've done because that's kind of what the platform is for. It's, it's a professional platform. So people are expecting to see your accomplishments and, you know, some of the different jobs that you've had. I'm just saying add a little bit more to it to talk about why you love doing what it is that you do and maybe some of the, some of your values, some of your passions, because you want to make yourself come out in 3D. You want people to get a chance to know who you are. People hire people they know, like, and trust. People do business with people they know, like, and trust. So you've got to, you want them to be able to know you, but you have to figure out how to become known. So now, as we start to wind down the episode... Let's talk a little bit more about um, some practical, actionable steps people can start taking to A, either fix their profiles or B, start to you know, implement, let's say, a virtual 100-day challenge. So, so I would actually say, hey, walk us through you know, the steps you took for your 100-day challenge and then how can someone apply that 
in our current reality. Okay. So the reason I took up the 108 challenge was really just to use as a tool of credibility in terms of networking. So what I say to people is instead of trying to think of it in terms of I have to meet 100 people, think about it in terms of I can meet 15 or 20. So your goal is really just to expand your circle of influence. So I did it because I wanted to be able to say to the folks I was talking to, if I can meet 100 people in 100 days, then surely you can go out and meet 15 or 20. So it was really just as as a tool of credibility. So I would say for anybody listening is just be intentional about the people, the opportunities that you have. So when you are on social media, if you see somebody that has a profile that has something of interest, so read through their profiles, you find something that you have in common with that person, reach out and connect with them. And then once you make that connection, see how you can be of help to them. You know, maybe there's an article that you come across that you think they might be interested in and share that article. So it's still about giving. You get a chance to develop that relationship. So on like Facebook, when I reach out to people on Facebook, that's a much more personal platform where you can, you know, like things that people share or comment on things that people share. So you're actually, you're showing them that you accept them, that you approve of them. You are showing appreciation for things that people put out there. That will grow your network. And and the same thing on LinkedIn. If you're paying attention to what comes across and you're liking people's posts and maybe you're commenting on a post. I really like the point that you made about such and such. You're giving to that person and you're sharing their information then also with your network. So there's lots of ways that you can still give. If you are showing up on some type of virtual training, being able to share in that training or in that discussion, being able to share your expertise, your giving. I think it's also, this is a perfect time now to to work on deepening your existing relationships. This is because you can reach out to people that you haven't talked to in a long time and said, hey, I just want to check on you and see how you're doing. So there's a lot of people that we have maybe let go of over the years that this is the perfect time to go back and say, hey, I want to reconnect with you. I want to see how you're doing. How you know? Is there something that you need? Maybe just having a conversation. So I talked with a friend of mine yesterday that I hadn't seen in 15 years. And we did a FaceTime and we reconnected. It was a beautiful conversation. We were able to reminisce about our children. And so that relationship, you know, when she knows the things that I do, like I speak, I go out and speak, she may know of people that need a speaker to come in. And that's not the reason I reconnected with her. She actually was the one that reached out to me and said, hey, I would like to, you know, can we do a FaceTime? But just by reconnecting, that opens up doors and opportunities as you're giving. And, and so the key of it is, is when you're giving, you're not giving to somebody going, if I give to you, then you're going to give back to me. You're just giving. And then the help that you need will, will be there. There's lots of ways that you can deepen the relationships that you have now and form new ones. Like one of the things that we also like to do is like Zoom or a FaceTime coffees. So you can still have coffees with people now just you know say hey i'd like to get together on zoom and have a cup of coffee or go for a walk so you if you have your treadmill at home you can be going for a walk so you, you know be creative in my neighborhood we did a driveway social so that's where people sat out in their driveways so there was you know you had the social distancing and people brought their drink and they were able to catch up with their neighbors people don't even know their neighbors sometimes now so this is a perfect time to make those kinds of connections 
So how did that work? I can imagine people just yelling across the room. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, you know, so actually my husband went to that one. I wasn't able to go to that one, but he told me he had a great time just, you know, getting a chance to see how our neighbors were doing. And, and then I've heard that lots of people in other neighborhoods, they're starting to do the same thing. So we all have a craving and a need to, to be connect. with others, to connect. So this is a perfect time to take advantage of those types of opportunities. You can, if you are in a neighborhood where you can still go out for walks, you know, you have to be on the other side of the street, but, you know, depending on the neighborhood you're living in, you can maybe just say, you know, talk to people as you're walking, how are you doing? And just be intentional about those, you know, those types of opportunities. Cool. Cool. Well, Kimberly, it's been a pleasure talking to you for the past, um, 30 minutes or so, learning more about how to be better networkers, especially in these uh, crazy times that we live in. But before I wrap up the interview, tell us a little bit more about your book, why you wrote the book, and where can we get the book? Well, thank you, Chi. You can get the book from any major book retailer online. So Amazon, through Barnes and Nobles, anywhere that they sell books that have an online presence, you can order the book through them. The reason I wrote the book was really because I took up that challenge and then people were so generous with their stories. They were so gracious with their stories. And it was really a privilege to be able to sit with them and hear their stories. And they, everybody let me take a picture with them. And they knew up front that I was planning to write a book. So as I was, I was posting stories online initially and, and my network was saying, Kim, these are fabulous stories. You should so write a book about this. So I took all the, the stories that people shared with me and put them together in a book. And it's awesome because I actually got help with writing my book from somebody I met while I was going through my journey. So again, as I was just meeting people with no ulterior motive other than to meet them and to hear their story, several people, well, many people have become friends. I'm still in touch with, I would say about 60 or so, 60 or actually 60 to 70 people I'm still in touch with over a year and a half later. And one of the ladies that I met in my book, she said, I, I was just going to put all the stories together in sequence. And she's like, oh no, Kim, she said, you need to put these together intentionally by chapter. And so she actually coached me on that. And that was such a gift that I didn't know that I was going to need that help. It was just somebody I had met and had spent time with, and then she gave back. It was a wonderful, wonderful journey. So I highly encourage people to make the effort to meet more people. You don't have to do 100, but <laughs> but think about it. If you meet 10 or 15 now and then meet 10 or 15 later, over time, you've met 30. Yeah. And I, said, I can remember one of the chapters in your book where it talks about how to meet your spouse and especially for like a single guy like me now no, no dating anywhere <laughs> no paying for drinks <laughs> i will i will have to knock off that instagram and uh, twitter a little bit harder than i used to <laughs> <laughs> well you, you may meet your future spouse online you know you just never know <laughs> that's what you have to do <laughs> Have to put yourself out, out there and up there. <laughs> well, you know, you talk about the things you're interested in and somebody else is interested in the same things and you build a friendship and then a beautiful yeah. relationship comes. Yeah. <laughs> True. True. So with that said, Kim, we've reached the end of the interview. Thanks a lot for coming to share your story and to teach us more about how to become better, more effective networkers. It was my pleasure, Chi. It was so nice to meet you and have a conversation and hopefully we'll get a chance to know each other even more. <laughs> Oh, for sure. For sure. For sure. For sure. I look forward to it. Thank you. 
Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in once again to the Bulletproof Entrepreneur Podcast. If you like what you heard on today's episode of the show, please go to iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast and leave a review and a comment. It helps other great listeners like yourself find the show and it tells me if I'm doing a good job or not and what type of guests to bring that can impart solid wisdom to help you grow on your entrepreneurial journey. Once again, you can always email me at info at odogwu.com. That's info at odogwu.com to let me know you know if you want a different type of guest or if you even want to be considered as a guest on the show so till next time guys have a great day stay bulletproof and of course i'll catch you on the next episode of the bulletproof entrepreneur podcast <laughs>